0: Hey, everyone, Dr. Tim and Hillary for another version of Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. How are you doing this morning, Hillary?
1: I am doing well. It's been a while since we've done a podcast.
0: Now we've been going all over the place. You've been many places. I've been places. Back to traveling. And this yep. weekend, Palooza, Orlando. Here we come. Mm-hmm. Orlando. Haven't been there in three weeks. <laughs>
1: you know i'm excited this will be my first reef and orlando and i can't wait i've heard so many great things about the show it's gonna be a good time
0: you've never been this is the no. biggest one yeah this is always a good one a lot of people uh busy yeah so that's a good show
1: Now, before we start, I will say, because I had a few requests for stickers over the past week, so we do still have Dr. Tim stickers. We also have Reptile System stickers and ASF stickers, so if you would like stickers, feel free to send us a message through social media, and I will get you some stickers sent out. Typically, I only send them out once a week, but uh, we're happy to send stickers, so. Yay! Yay! All right, well, we have a whole bunch of questions because I think we missed a podcast last month. So we're gonna try and get through as many of these as we possibly can. I know we have some limited time here today, so are you ready?
0: I'm ready, question Uh, number one.
1: Okay, question number one. I have a Red Sea 45 gallon with a wave maker, but no skimmer because I'm starting a refugium at the beginning stages. I have miracle mud in my sump and I will be adding Kato this week. My phosphate is 0.1. My nitrate is 50. I have the medium waste away gel for 50 gallons. Can I still use the gel with no skimmer? Will it affect anything as far as depleting any oxygen or should I add another wave maker? Best regards, Bobby.
0: Um. Well... <sighs> without the skimmer, the, the issue is the waste away gel is going to uh, release bacteria. The bacteria are going to go out there and look for resources and grow. And there's plenty of phosphate and nitrate to do that. But then what happens with those cells and reality be, is that without some way of removing the bacteria, the result of bacteria, it's just going to recycle. You need to have some, something, a skimmer, a filter sock, a f- fuzzy pad that clogs, that will clog up as the bacteria grow and um, remove that. So it's, it's iffy. If, if you don't have a way to remove the bacteria that grow, your values will probably just seesaw. They'll go down a little bit, but then they'll come back up. As for oxygen Um, Well, this is why we always say, you know, start with a small amount. Now you're using the gel. The nice thing about the gel is that with those high levels of nutrients, if the water starts to go cloudy, you can remove the gel, put it in a plastic bag. You don't have to have water in the bag. I mean, a little bit, if you want, you just want to keep the gel damp, but seal it and let the tank clear up. And if if the water does go cloudy, always good to add more aeration because that's a bacteria bloom and the bacteria are consuming oxygen, but I wouldn't do anything until the water starts to get cloudy. That's the signal that you need to take some action. Okay.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Moving on to question number two. Today, I received an order of EcoBalance for salt water, and the one-gallon bottle arrived frozen in a slushy state. Would this have compromised the bacteria? I live in Canada, and the only option I had for the one-gallon, unfortunately, was from Amazon.
0: Um, For all our products except one and only, freezing is not, repeat, not a problem. These bacteria are the heterotrophs. They're actually in the spore form. And so w- they're produced by growing the bacteria. And we won't go into those details and then actually freeze drying them. So they come out as the freeze dryer in a powder. So, perfectly fine. Um, the bacteria are good to go. Do not run the water or the, or the bottle under hot water, just leave it out at room temperature and let it thaw out, and then uh, shake really well, and then pour the required amount into your tank. But bacteria are fine, equal balance, waste away, clear up, refresh, can all survive freezing or slushy, almost freezing conditions.
1: Good to know. And hopefully we shouldn't have to deal with too much more of that. I think we're slowly easing into summer. So next thing we'll have to worry about is Warm weather, and we'll address those questions if you guys have them. Okay, moving on to question number three. I used your ammonia chloride and seek him stability. My aquarium cycled in five weeks. It is a 20 gallon tank. Unfortunately, my six Cardinal Tetras quickly developed and died. I've been told to do water changes and add stability and then wait two weeks before adding new fish. I'm concerned about the biological cycle. Does it make sense to change some water and then dose the tank with ammonia chloride and stability and not do any water changes to keep the cycle going? If so, how much ammonia should I add? Any advice is appreciated. Thanks.
0: First advice, get a much better bacteria, like our one and only live nitrifying bacteria. Don't have to wait five weeks. Um, Changing the water is not going to affect the cycle. Well, it only positively would it affect the cycle because the bacteria, nitrifying bacteria, are on surfaces. They're not in the water column, especially after five or six weeks that you've had your aquarium running. And that's why we tell people in the beginning, don't siphon clean your substrate because the bacteria are down in the substrate working on producing EPS, extra polymer substance, to stick to the media. But definitely you can change the water. Water changes never hurt. You you don't go into what your pH might be or how much ammonia you've added, Um, but chances are high that you've consumed alkalinity. And so your pH is down and the way to recover that is definitely do a 25, 30% water change. Just don't disturb the substrate. I don't know why you're keeping the tank. Um, I guess that's kind of a a precaution. If we keep the tank bare, um, these disease organisms will die out because they don't have a host, but it depends on the disease organism. Um, So during this period, yeah, you can add the ammonia drops after a water change. And then I would do another water change before you add your fish at the end of that two week period.
1: So. Okay, sounds good. Hopefully, uh, if you're listening to this, hopefully your issues will resolve themselves and you'll be on your way in no time. But yeah, definitely uh, try some of our one and only bacteria. I think that will get you a lot further. Okay, question number four I'm starting a new fish only marine aquarium. I plan on cycling with seeded live rock. How much live rock per gallon would you recommend? Also, would you recommend adding any bacteria additives or hardy fish while cycling the tank with live rocks? As always, thank you for your advice.
0: Well, the conf- the con- question's kind of confusing because the at the end, they're adding hardy fish when while seeding with live rocks. So I'm making the assumption that the live rock isn't very clean. And what I'm looking for is where's the ammonia source. So if you just put live rock in the water, if it's clean, live rock, there's no ammonia. So nothing's going to happen. And that would be why you would either start adding ammonium chloride, or you're going to add this hardy fish. Um, So how much live rock, how many, you know, it all depends. The, the question, I'm sorry, it's just kind of confusing because normally the live rock is added because it, the assumption is there's nitrifying bacteria on the live rock, not that the live rock is going to provide ammonia, if I'm understanding the, the question correctly. How much live rock you need dep- de- for how many fish depends on how many fish and the size of the fish and stuff like that. What I would do is add clean live rock, add one and only live nitrifying bacteria, and basically do a fishless cycling. The live rock will have some bacteria on it, um, and you'll and with adding definitely the bacteria mix, the one and only, of course, um, and some ammonia, you should be cycled within 7 to 10 days, and you, then you can add your fish. Um, now you can add live rock and one or two hardy fish and then build up like that, but you have to have an ammonia source and most live rock these days is cured. You know, it doesn't have a, doesn't come right out of the ocean and have a bunch of organic material on it. That's going to decay and produce ammonia. That's uncured live rock. The cured live rock is clean. It has bacteria. The assumption is it has a bacteria, uh, bacteria consortia group on it that's going to help your tank um, but don't always put blind faith in that that's why you need ammonia nitrite test kits and you can either add you know i'll repeat you can either add one and only and start with a fishless cycling or yes a couple of uh hearty fish and the generally it's one pound one and a half pounds of live rock per gallon of aquarium. But again, that's kind of a nebulous number, depending on the type of fish and the number of fish that you're going to have in the system. How's that, Hillary? (laughs) That
1: was good for, you know, what we had to work with. Um, And and if we have left out a part or if there's something else that you want us to know, you can always send a follow-up message and we are happy to um, tailor our answer more specifically to your needs. So... Okay, question number five. I've been wanting to use waste away gel, but my small 25-gallon tank is an all-in-one tank and I don't use a skimmer. Everything I've read says a skimmer is needed with this product. Is there a way around that?
0: Yeah, there's a couple of ways. One is a small filter sock, You know, the Micron filter sock, have some water go into that. Because again, as I mentioned earlier, I think question one, what you're trying to do is convert nutrients into bacteria, but then you got to get rid of those bacteria, which the skimmer does a great job doing. Without a skimmer, you can trap the bacteria in a filter sock or even take filter pad or um, a sponge and get a fine mesh sponge, fine pore sponge, or the filter pad material Put several layers together. Now realize that in and all, most all-in-one t- tanks, as that material clogs, you're probably going to be starving your pump for water, because the you know as it clogs, the water can't go through it. So you're going to have to clean that often. But in order to make this process work and reduce the nutrients, which is the goal I'm assuming you're trying to do by adding the waste away gel is, uh, make sure you're paying attention and clean the filter socks or clean this, um, filters often. Now filter sock, you can, if you have room, have part of the water going through that. So the whole system doesn't clog And that way you're not starving the return pump for water, but you're still having a certain amount of the water recycle through the filter sock and trapping the bacteria. This is You're doing this 24 hours a day, so you don't have to capture all the water in a single pass. You can let some water, what's called bypass, not go into the filter sock, have some go in because with a small tank and you're running that pump 24 hours a day all the water is eventually going to go through the filter sock and you'll trap the bacteria and get a couple of filter socks so that you can replace it while you're you know you clean while you're cleaning the dirty one you've got a new one in there just makes it easier that's what i would recommend
1: all right good advice okay number six Hi, I miscalculated pouring first defense and almost 10 times the recommended dose was added to my tank. Please advise whether I can continue cycling by pouring one and only bacteria or do I have to do a water change to the total amount of
0: water first? Uh, no water change is needed. I mean, you've added a lot of vitamins and d and things like that, but no harms come into that. If it, you have a saltwater reef, you know, reef slash reef tank, your skimmer might go a little crazy, but there's nothing toxic in uh, first defense and nothing that's going to harm the one and only bacteria. What might happen is the vitamins in one and only can um, possibly cause a bacterial bloom of the heterotrophs, that, you know, the, so the water goes a little cloudy. But as long as you I mean you're in the cycling period and, and you're comfortable with a little cloudy water, there's nothing that you need to do. It's fine, and um, the nitrifiers will be unaffected by that. So it's it's not a situation where you really need to do any you know, intervene and do anything drastic or, or quickly.
1: That's always good to hear. When the answer is that, that you don't have to do anything crazy. Okay, moving on to number 7. I was recently suggested in using a UV on my 100-gallon tank. What is your opinion? I know it also kills beneficial bacteria, but on the other hand, beneficial bacteria don't float in the water column. Why shouldn't I use it?
0: Well, beneficial bacteria doesn't necessarily only apply to nitrifiers. Okay. So there's nitrifying bacteria, which as you know, grow on surfaces. And so they're not affected by the UV, but you also have as part of that group of beneficial bacteria, the bacteria that live in the water column that are consuming the nitrates and phosphates and keeping the dinos and cyano and algae at bay. And this is the, the big Issue and the one I've been preaching until Hillary's like, no, don't do this again, please. But I'm going to. Um, when you eliminate the wa- bacteria in the water column by over skimming, by UV, roller pads, combination of everything, plus what I stuff I haven't mentioned, where you're making that water column water so pure by removing all the bacteria. Anything that grows on surfaces, you've left the field wide open to them. So I'm anti, you know, what, what's what's the reason for the UV is my first, would be my first question. Is it a tank that has a history of bacteria outbreaks? Is it a fish-only tank that's going to be fed heavy with a heavy population that might um, produce bacterial problems? Or is it just kind of a prophylactic Um and I, I think in many cases, use of a UV is not warranted or maybe part-time. Um, I'm just not a big fan of keeping the water. This is a personal preference uh, uh, so sterile because it just creates bigger problems, especially you should be quarantining your fish. And uh, but if you're going to run a UV, don't super oversize it. Keep the um, tube clean. You know, the, the quartz tube's got to be clean to make it work uh, best. And as I mentioned in the previous question with the filter sock, side stream it, um, have a portion of the water go through the UV And then really pay attention to your tank. If you start seeing low nutrients and, well, you're going to see see two things. If you're going to see high nutrients, the chances are pretty good you're going to get algae, but you're not going to get algae in the water column because the UV is killing it. What you're going to do is get algae, black algae and algae all over the surfaces and the walls of the aquarium. So you're not going to like that. Or you do low nutrients, and then you're just going to get cyanos and dinos, and then you've really gone down the rabbit hole with lots of issues. So um, the UV may not be just this you know, passive thing. It can really affect what's happening to your water quality, so you need to pay attention to that. And if your system starts going in a direction that doesn't look good with algae and cyano and dino, well, you can blame your UV for that. uh,
1: (laughs) right good good
0: to know i I can't the fact is most uvs that are available to hobbyists aren't any good anyways but i didn't say that i mean you know there's a lot that goes into uv technology and hillary you've worked at public aquariums or you know water treatment plants there's a lot of science on getting it right oh yeah
1: oh yeah that was you know the aquarium that i worked at We messed with them multiple times a day, trying to dial them in and make sure that they were just right. And it's not something you just like set on and leave it. Like you were always back checking on it.
0: Yeah. And, and they get dirty. They grow a film. Plus depending on what you're trying to kill, if you're trying to kill Trichodyna versus maybe certain bacteria, the, the, the dosage that you, that you need UV needs to emit, is very different. And there's a lot of studies that show what dosage, and we won't go too technical and do it, but different animals will need to be exposed to the UV at a certain dosage for a certain time period for them actually to be harmed or killed, which is what you're trying to do. And unfortunately for us, the ones that are most easily harmed by UV are the free-swimming you know, beneficial bacteria, like in waste away that are going to be removing the, you know, consuming the nitrates and phosphates. So generally the unintended consequence of a UV is you're killing the good guys and just letting the bad guys run wild and you have lots of problems. So the moral of this story is if you're serious about using a UV, do your homework. And like anything else, you're going to have to spend some money to get a quality one and it is not a passive thing that you just turn on and people, Hey, I've been running my UV for four years. I've never changed the lamp. Well, you're doing nothing. these lamps don't last four years and they need to be cleaned. The quartz sleeves need to be cleaned. All right, Taylor, I'm going to step off my soapbox on UV right now.
1: I was just going to say they need to be cleaned, like just like everything else in your aquarium, your pumps, you know, everything you should be cleaning it and doing regular maintenance.
0: Right. But UVs, most people I talk, oh, yeah, I just plug it in and I forget it. No, no it's, it's not doing it. anything. <laughs> 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 not really working very well.
1: All right. We will move on to number eight. Now, this one, I have a lot more information. I'm only going to give you part of it. But if you need more information, I will add in the extra stuff. Um, I want to try using refresh and waste away in my 13 and a half gallon mixed reef to tackle a green hair algae issue. My normal nutrient export is weekly water changes and I can also turn off and on an automatic water changes on my small mixing station. Um, I do not have a UV or a skimmer on this small of a system. Would you still recommend using these products to combat green hair algae in such a small tank? If so, how would I adjust dosing volumes and or a schedule?
0: Well, um, I mean, the, the refresh will work and the dosage is one mil per two gallons. You figure a 13 gallon, there's probably only nine or 10 gallons of water. So five mils, which I think is a teaspoon or two. I think a teaspoon is like two or three mils. Um, But so so you can use the refresh. What I would do is try to physically remove as much of the hair algae as you can. And then dose with the refresh. uh, Wait a day, dose again. Now be observing the animals. You didn't say what kind of animals are in there, but if uh, you start getting cloudy water, that means the refresh has killed some of the uh, algae or other things. And now that's decaying and that's causing, you know, bacterial bloom is causing the cloudy water. So you might want to add an airstone. I definitely would add an airstone during this process, just as insurance or something to break up the water surface. You're trying to aerate the water. Um, And then with the waste away, start with the waste away after two doses or so of the refresh, but you're going to have to do water changes basically because the reef, you know, after the refresh, if you see a lot of decaying material, again, try to physically remove as much as you can of that, and then start always with a half or quarter dose of the waste away and, as it gets cloudy now, because you don't have a skimmer to remove any of that, definitely do a, do a big water change, 30, 40, 50% water change. Let the water come up and you're just going to have to repeat that. You know, Add waste away, cloudy water, do a water change, let the system run a day, add more waste away, the water becomes cloudy, do a big water change. Because you're just going to have to manually remove the resulting bacteria to get those nutrients out of the system. Or as in the earlier question, I think number two or three, it's just going to recycle. So so you're going to have to um, do some work here and have some water available for doing water changes. Luckily it's only a 13 gallon tank. So it's not that big of a deal.
1: Oh yeah. All right. So hopefully that answered your question. Whoever number eight is and your tank gets rid of that green algae. I know for a fact I've been dealing with that a month or so ago. It's such a pain in the butt. So have patience. It will get better.
0: Yeah. Nothing's going to happen in a day or two. And then long-term consider using the gels to, to kind of consume the nutrients and hold the green algae at bay.
1: Yep. I've actually got a 20 gallon reef tank and I've got the gels and it's an all-in-one tank and I've got one sitting in there. So it works great. All right, question number nine is, does refresh affect snails and shrimp? I have a coral banded shrimp and trochus along with some other larger snails. Will it really affect them? If so, would I need to move them into some type of quarantine tank? When when would it be safe to move them back into the display?
0: Well, th- yes, we wouldn't put the warning on there if it didn't, but we put that warning on there because when we first developed the product, we look at what c- we think about and then try to do the crazy things we think people might do. And the number one crazy thing that people do is they don't bother to measure. They just pour it in. And in some cases, generally what's a bare bottom tank. If you overdose, the refresh, we've seen where snails and shrimp are harmed. So it doesn't happen in all cases. Don't really know why, because there's nothing toxic technically. I mean, it's just bacteria in the refresh, but it happens. So we'd rather err on the side of caution. And that's what I would recommend that if you can remove those animals while you're doing the treatment, then you should. Now, when you, it, it's not like there's going to be copper where there's going to be some residual copper into the tank after you're dosing. Once the treatment's over and you've done a big water change, siphon cleaned, and you're not adding any more refresh, you can add the animals back. There's no latent long-term toxicity. Um, and the truth is the, the chances are slim, but we Rather, err on the caution because the number one thing is the health of the animal and don't do any harm to the animals. So that's why you put that on there.
1: Okay, that is good to know. All right, number 10. I bought the Dr. Tim's kit for fishless cycling for saltwater. I have a 20 gallon tank and I accidentally added only 15 drops of ammonia on day one. Then on day two, went ahead and added the extra 44 drops, four drops per gallon that you're supposed to add. How should I continue since I made this mistake? I also have a Tidal 35 hang on back that has a built-in skimmer, Should I keep the filter off during the cycle. I turn it off after adding the nitrifying bacteria.
0: Well, you, you need to run the filter in after 48 hours, um, it'll be fine. Even that skimmer um, will be fine. So get that running again. There's no mistake. You, you, if you only do 15 drops, 30 drops, you just need to prime the system with the ammonia. So, so not adding four drops per gallon is not a mistake. No big deal. How to proceed, just like we say on the charts, you need to have your ammonia and nitrite test kits because every tank is different and how your tank has responded to the addition of the one and only and the ammonia, we don't know. If there's low ammonia, low nitrite, then add some more drops. If either one of them is high near five, then don't add any more ammonia drops until they both get down below you know, one or two. And it's okay if they're down below 1 or 2 adding 1 or 2 drops per amount uh, of ammonia per gallon is fine. There's no the only wrong way to do this is blindly every day adding ammonia. That's the number 1 wrong thing to do. But adding a little bit of ammonia, adding less ammonia drops is fine, but you need the test kits in the beginning t- to show you where you are in the cycle so you don't overdose the ammonia.
1: All right. Okay, number 11. Can the fossil eliminator plus be put in during the tank cycling process? The tank wasn't cycled for a long time. The phosphates are high, above 1.4. It must have leached out of the rock. I would just do a huge water change, but it's a 400-gallon system. What would you recommend? Thanks.
0: Well, normally I would recommend not Adding the phosph eliminator during the cycling period because the nitrifying bacteria need a certain amount of phosphate. All all living organisms need a little bit of phosphate. But a four hundred gallon tank, you didn't say how high the phosphate is. The chances are the phosphate eliminator. Is, well, I know it's not going to remove all that phosphate instantaneously. You know, within a couple hours or something like that. So. In this case, with a high level of phosphate, a large volume of water, you could add the fossil eliminator plus along with the one and only, because I think there's going to be plenty of phosphate in that system for a while for the nitrifiers to get established. If the phosphate were to drop down, you know, 0.01, uh, zero, something like that, then definitely remove the fossil eliminator. Uh, media because you 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 the nitrifiers need some phosphate in the water to proceed. So.
1: Okay, all right. This is our last question that we have for today. I will be setting up a new ten gallon freshwater aquarium with a Fluval one hundred and seven canister filter and a BioHome media. After adding the one and only solution and ammonia, do I turn on the filter? Will the bacteria adhere to the media or will it settle to the gravel at the bottom of the tank? Your instructions say to remove the aquarium sock. So should I remove the sponge filters in the canister? Thanks.
0: You're going to drive me crazy on the last question. (laughs) Going out with a bang, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. So the answers are yes, yes, yes. And I think no. Anyways, uh, Seriously, though, the filter sock is not the same as a sponge. So keep the sponge in, turn the filter on. Uh, Yes, the bacteria will adhere to the media. And yes, they will also fall into the gravel. They're going to go every place. So uh, I prefer the nitrifiers to be out on the substrate rather than in the media of a canister filter because what's going to happen in any canister filter worth having is that canister filter, number one, is going to trap organics. That's what its job is to do, is to trap the particulate material. That particulate material is organic That it's then broken down by heterotrophs. And what do the heterotrophs do? They grow so much faster. That they starve out the nitrifiers, they overgrow the nitrifiers, and now any nitrifiers that are in the canister filter are not working because they're not getting oxygenated water um, because the heterotrophs have taken all that. Then what then what happens too is your canister filter clogs up. That's the whole purpose. When I first joined the aquarium industry, you know, as a person working in the industry. And we'd do these uh, uh, open house de- dealer at um, distributors. And you'd be in this room, and five or six stores would come in at a time, and they'd always complain oh, the Magnum filters, I hate them because they clog up. Well, that's what they're supposed to do, folks. So, any good canister filter is going to clog up. What happens when it clogs up? Less water flow. Less water flow means less oxygen, less ammonia. And if you're a nitrifying bacteria, those are not good conditions for the nitrifiers. So don't worry about that in terms of your, your canister filter, as long as you have substrate. Now, if you're doing a bare bottom tank with a canister filter, you're probably going to have issues uh, because the, when, you, when the canister filter clogs up, the nitrifiers can't do their job that are living in there. So I wouldn't worry about nitrifiers in the canister. They will fall into the tank substrate and on all the surfaces and, and proliferate there. Um, but definitely you got to get your filter running. You need water flow, you need water circulation, uh, and you want to spread the bacteria to all corners of the aquarium, so that the areas that get clogged up and you lose nitrifiers, don't you don't lose your, your whole entire biofilter did that answer all those questions that were in there Helen?
1: i think you got them all you were worried about it being crazy question
0: <laughs> no it's just you know canister filters i understand the uh the concept but you just have to realize that and, and this is, you know, when I joined Marineland and we developed the bio wheel, the whole thing about the bio wheel was it only did one thing, grew nitrifying bacteria. And because it rotated, it kept that thin film. I, mean, I was just at a Raztec, this recirculating aquaculture conference last week in um, Hilton Head, giving a talk about this to, you know, professionals in the aquaculture, hydroponics, aquaponics. You want to keep things separate. You need to get rid of the organics. So whatever you're doing for the organics, don't make that your nitrifiers. That's the worst place in the world for nitrifiers is your mechanical filter, whether it's the, a sponge, a filter pad, media inside a canister. You want to be able to change that as often as you need to, uh, to keep the tank running, to keep the filter running, to. Um, get organics out of the system. And you don't want to worry about that. Oh, I'm going to throw away my biological filter. Your biological filter can be somewhere else. So I like to keep things separate. Good mechanical filter before your chemical filter activated carbon, phosphate removal, whatever it is. If, you, if you're having your phosphate, if you're having your chemical media also do mechanical filtration, you're just wasting your money. Because the water is not going to be able to go through all that media because it's got a layer of organics on top of it. And then after all that, you have your biological filter. And it doesn't have to be complicated. And you can clean them, the mechanical filter, as you need. You can change the chemical filtration media as needed. And the biological filter just keeps on plugging away. That was the simplicity and the beauty of the bio oil. So separate them out good advice no. All anything right. else one one last surprise question blown out of your pocket or anything
1: nope <laughs> nope <laughs> there are there are more questions but I think maybe this month we'll try and do a second Q a because we have um, a huge amount of us but the rest of them that I have are a little bit more in depth than we have time for today so you.
0: Okay. So, well, if you're listening and you listen to this before uh, the weekend, both Hillary and I will be in Orlando at Reefapalooza. It's always a great event, a lot of fun, a lot of people. And so come by and uh, say hi.
1: Yep. And bonus points. We will give you some swag if you come up to the booth and take a selfie with us and post it to social media or take a photo of the booth and tag us on social media i think we have a couple of coffee cups still left that i have promised people if they attend the shows and take a photo at the booth i will send you some swag
0: yep we've got t-shirts we never did do hats i don't know people want hats? no we
1: didn't i don't know i like hats but
0: You live in Vegas. You need a hat.
1: (laughs) I've got a whole stash of them in my car. Anytime I go out hiking.
0: Exactly. All right, everyone. This is Dr. Tim and Hillary. I hope you enjoyed this session of the Dr. Tim's aquatics podcast. And until next time, good fish keeping.